join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to the Masterclass, the Manchester United tactical podcast brought to you by Sports Social. I am Haydar Rabani. I'm sitting here in sunny Dublin, a little bit of a change of scenery. I'm joined by Rob Blanchett and we're going to do a Raphael Varane special. Now, we have all seen all the news today. We've seen that Manchester United look like they could be getting their man. Varane is very interested in joining Manchester United. It's just about the fee. Rob, welcome back. What is the... Well, sorry, what is the... Latest on Raphael Varane and uh, are United going to get their man? Because this is a player in his prime, 28 years old, won everything you can at Real Madrid, leaving Real Madrid for Manchester United. We very rarely see that, do we? We saw Ronaldo, we saw Beckham, Rude, they all go to Real. They don't come this way unless Real don't want them. But Real want to keep their man, but he wants to join Manchester United. So welcome back. What's the latest on Raphael Varane to Manchester United? Well, hi, Haydar and everyone. Um, the latest is this, is that Manchester United look set to sign Rafael Varane. Um, it's been in the pipework for a little while now. It's not brand new news. It goes back to the Euros. Um, you just said that Real Madrid want to keep their player. But I think it's a similar situation to Paul Pogger at Manchester United, is that you don't pay the player, the player goes. So I think with Varane, he's looking for a new challenge. The Premier League is an obvious one for him. He's won everything else everywhere across... Uh, Spain and Champions League trophies galore and World Cup. And really, you know, the ultimate test is the Premier League. It's where you get the financial rewards, but it's also where you get the most kudos. It's where you're, you can take your fame to the next level if you're a footballer. Uh, and I think where Manchester United are at the moment, their desire to sign a top centre-back at what is an affordable price is something that they desire greatly. Um, we know it's a problem position for United. It has been for a really long time. They tried to address it, obviously, with an £80 million world record signing of Harry Maguire. But if they can add someone of Varane's stature for around the £50 million mark, which is what this deal is going to come in at, um, it would be an incredible coup for United. They've been looking for a player like Varane for a very long time, someone who can be the next Rio Ferdinand for the football club, someone you can really build around for the next, say, three or four or five years, and take the football club to the next level. And what I mean by that is winning the Premier League. That's the desire of Manchester United, and that's what they're going to try and do next year. Great point, though, on uh, having a look at Varane joining Man United. Because we had a little talk off there, and we were talking about Pau Torres. United have been linked heavily with Pau Torres, but when someone like Varane comes available, you know, let's just have a look at some of his, his trophies. Just look at the trophy wall here across the bottom. He's won one World Cup, four Champions Leagues, three La Ligas, one Spanish Cup Winners' Cup, uh, four Club World Cups, and three UEFA Super Cups. Absolutely glittering career for Real Madrid. That's 18 trophies, and he's won the World Cup. Can't get much bigger than that. When a player like this becomes available, Rob, you have to go for him, don't you? There's just you have to almost throw the plans out the window. It's like it's almost like you know when Ronaldo was in his prime and he became let's say he became available. You have to go and get a player like this. And United have turned their attentions to to Varane and they're very interested in him and they look like they could close the deal. But United were looking for a left-footed centre-back. You had Maguire playing on the left and 
has that surprised you that United have actually decided to keep Maguire on the left and go for a right-footed centre-back? Obviously, in the modern game, it is preferable to have centre-backs who are left-footed and right-footed. That is a kind of tandem that most clubs like to to kind of put out there now with their tactics, how they move the ball around, being natural on one side. We've seen it, haven't we, with Maguire playing on the left, Lindelof on the right, but when Lindelof plays on the left, he comes inside and it ruins the shape. So you want players who can, who can do that left side, right side duel. And obviously, Paul Torres would have been a player to bring in, but that would have meant that Maguire would have gone on to the right. I think what you'll find now, with, if you sign Varane, you, you actually have two centre-backs and play either side quite competently and naturally. And it means that gives Ole a huge kind of scope to just tweak things a little bit, depending on who he's playing as an opposition. So we know that United's fullbacks need help in terms of the sense that Luke Shaw has now become a progressive. He's going to be higher up the pitch. That's helped Harry Maguire's game. And if you think about that for Aaron Wan-Bissaka on the right-hand side, he also needs someone who can play ball on that side. Now, Lindelof can do that. However, Lindelof also comes with a ton of downside. So this is why I think United have been looking at centre-backs for the last 12 months. Um, with someone like Varane, it's not a new news that he was going to be up on the market. You know, he thought he was going to get paid by Real Madrid. That was kind of the, the general narrative. So there was no talk of maybe leaving or, or you know, an issue there. It just thought it'd be a new contract. The truth is that Real Madrid are in transition themselves. They've obviously sacked uh, Zidane. They're going in a slightly different direction. When they let Ramos go, and obviously Ramos has ended up at PSG, people did think that they would then pay um, Varane and keep him. But I think what it really looks like is that they want to kind of move away from those players that maybe carried the football club over the last five or six years. That's understandable. They want some money back for it. It's going to be around kind of 45, 50 million pounds. It's within United's budget. But I don't think for United there's a, there's a big issue here. Like you said, who do you buy? Someone like Torres who, who has lots of future upside or do you bring in a centre-back who can really take you towards a championship very, very quickly with all the other pieces that you have? You've just signed Sancho. You're now about to sign a top-class, world-class centre-back. Does that get you to where you want to be? Well, just think about what Man City did last year when they bought Diaz. They bought him and they went from a team who were second and maybe kind of floating around of could we win the title to very much winning the title. And that came from that one signing. And I think Ole and United will feel that about Varane, that he could have that impact on the football club. You make a good point, don't you, Rob, about um, Diaz coming in? Because no one also thought that we would see John Stones being such a, such a good player that he was last season. So, you know, it takes one player to come in and actually change the dynamic. Um, but look, guys, it's really great to be back. Myself and Rob, obviously, we've been away for about a month working on a lot of things. We've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up for the season. We just want to say thank you so much for all the support. I have, in fact, moved to Dublin. So if anyone's wondering why I'm sitting in a different different location, that's where I am right now. Um, but look, let's start, Rob, with Varane. Why do Manchester United want him? Now, for me, the keys are his positional acumen, his intelligence, and his anticipation defending spaces. And why is that key for Manchester United? So we look at the current centre-backs at the moment. Harry Maguire, you'd say, is a more aggressive one. He's great at picking up the ball and carrying it into midfield. We all know his deficiencies with pace, and I think Varane's pace is a massive, massive reason why Manchester United want him and why this partnership could work. When you actually look at Varane, and let's actually have a look at some of his statistics here. So this is how he compares with the rest of the centre-backs in the top five European leagues. And we're looking over here on the screen at the bottom. Pass attempts, he's in the 73rd percentile. Pass completion is high, 86th percentile. 
Progressive passes is on the lower side, 47th percentile. Progressive carries, again, 62nd percentile. He's much better. Um, well, actually, he's actually worse than uh, Lindelof. 72nd percentile Lindelof for progressive carries. So that's interesting. And dribbles completed, he's in the 43rd. He, he outtrumps Lindelof there. So when you look at the statistics, perhaps you look at them and be a little bit underwhelmed, right? And we always say the stats are the foundation and NCI test. But when I'm looking at what Varane brings... For me, the key is the anticipation, the athleticism, and the intelligence. You know with Varane that he's going to defend spaces rather than the man. And when you look at the way that Manchester United play, and let's say you have McFred in front of you, there's going to be a lot of space between the midfield and the defence because McFred liked to, liked to jump into tackles. So just talk a little bit on why you think Rafael Varane is a great fit for Manchester United. And despite some of the, the statistics we're seeing, actually United are getting a really great player that fits what Harry Maguire needs next to him. Right, when you look at his stats there, they're not particularly elite, but this is also goes along with what I often say about statistics, is that, yes, you, they are the foundation of when we're looking at and assessing a player, we want to see where they are in their percentiles, we want to see in their completion, we want to see kind of their effectiveness and the impact on football matches. So stats give us a good grounding on that. What those stats don't tell us directly is how problematic things have been at Real Madrid. So Real Madrid are not the worst team in the world, but we also know that Real Madrid are not where they once were. You know, they're running their defence through Ramos, who, you know, up until very recently still been as good as he's ever been, but has been injured and in and out of the team a lot. And that's left a lot on that back four to kind of do something. So they've been playing 4-3-3 and we'll talk about formations a little bit more going forward. But Real Madrid, under Zidane, kind of failed in their defensive function. So that is going to impact this player's stats. So you have to kind of take it one side and kind of rewrite the narrative a little bit. And that is, what is Rafael Varane? Why do United want Varane? So we have to look inward to start off on that and look at United's, say, three primary centre-backs. I'm not going to include two and Zabian Jones there. They're part of the squad, but I don't think it's really interesting. I don't think it means much. When you look at Lindelof and Bailly being the partners of Harry Maguire, it was only really 12 months ago that most Manchester United fans were not that hot on the captain. You know, he had this problem, obviously, out in Greece. Um, people were saying, you know, is he really that good? Is he really worth that money? Is he, is he going to be one of these players that we're going to sell in the next window or two because we, we've lost out on this money? And most of the kind of Twitterati or Manchester United fans will have told you that, yes, let's get rid of Harry. And I think what we've seen in 12 months is that Harry Maguire has more than proved himself, both statistically as a leader and as a centre-back. You know, he's just finished the Euros and ended up as one of the top, top centre-backs in the tournament. And as we know, England got to a final. He was a massive part of that. Manchester United's success last year of coming second and obviously getting to a European final. And yes, there's no trophy there. But that success was underpinned really by how they sorted themselves out defensively. So I give credit to Lindelof as well at that point. But what do Manchester United need? What do they do? What do they want to do? And how are they going to do it? So if you stuck with the two centre-backs that you've got now, Lindelof and Maguire, as affectionately known as the Chuckle Brothers from many people at the moment, you look at kind of what Maguire has done in the last 12 months, and that is carry the ball out. And that is something that he's always done at every other club before he came to Manchester United. That's why we signed him. You wanted a ball-playing centre-back. He does that. That allows Luke Shaw to be more of a footballer on the left-hand side. So Luke Shaw now goes and overlaps. And lo and behold, Luke Shaw might well be the best left-back in the world 
at the moment. Unbelievable. England's best player in the tournament for me as well. For me, absolutely. But what happens on that side of the pitch? You know, I'm Harry Maguire. What's going on this side of me if I'm looking to my right? And what we've had in the last 12 months, even with Manchester United's kind of meagre success, you know, we're not we're not winning trophies, but we've got we're going in the right direction, is that the the link between Lindelof and Wamasaka is pretty much broken. So we've said this, it's held Wambasaka back, no doubt. You know, Wambasaka has his limitations technically and tactically. But really, Victor Lindelof being slow, cumbersome, a good ball player, but not being able to screen, not really with any pace, that's hurt the balance. So what happens? Everything goes down Manchester United's left side. Do we agree? That's kind of what we see, isn't it, every week? So United are redressing that balance on the right-hand side. Jaden Sancho is now coming to the football club. He will probably play on the right, though he can play on the left, just as accomplished on both sides. But if you want your centre-back and your right-back to have some synergy and to be able to work together, and you want to say to Aaron Mbisaka, get on your bike, boy, get down that wing and cross the ball, he's got to know that on his inside, when he looks over his shoulder, that there's a bloke there who's quick enough to look after him. That bloke is Rafael Varane. So this is why Manchester United are, are making this investment. It's not a huge investment in the greater terms of the football club. It's big money still. £50 million in COVID times is still money at the end of the day. But if you can get a player of his calibre who has the pace and the intelligence, which is what Rio Ferdinand had, you know, that's why I compared him at the top of the show. It's more about having balance. And Varane will also then allow Maguire to go and be an even better version of Harry Maguire. So if you're buying one player that improves four players at the back, including the player you're buying, that is good business. That's only like £15 million per position just to get where you want to be. If Man United improve that back four with what they've got and bringing in Jadon Sancho and potentially tweaking their midfield with maybe another sign-in, they are going to compete for the Premier League title. They are. That is fact. Well, it's not fact. I'm making that up. But the point is... Don't get too high, don't get too low. The, the, fact, the, the fact of the matter is, is that if you put the pieces together, you know, and you've got the ingredients, you know, the, the tasting is already there in the pie. You've just got to go and go for it. You know, that's how it is. Cook it up and go for it. And this has been Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's philosophy from day one. And that is, I get rid of the players I don't want. I keep the players that I do, I develop them, and I bring in new signings. Quite simple. It's kind of what you do at football clubs. But hey, since Sir Alex left, it's not what United have done well. United have been really bad in their recruitment, and they've not gone and been really kind of bullish when a player like Varane has come along. Two, three years ago, Varane, if Varane was on the market, he would be going to PSG. PSG yeah, he would be going, he would be going to Juventus. You know, he'd be going to one of those clubs that are looking to win immediately and that they would pay the money, give him the wage, and it would be done and United would be blown out in the water. Well, what you're seeing this year is after the Sancho deal is that United got the taste and they're looking to improve and they're looking to win titles. And if you go and buy Varane, like I said, it improves four positions, not one. You know, so that back four becomes more solid, more progressive. And we saw last year that our back four played the whole game on the halfway line. Yeah, And you can do that when you've got someone like Varane who can go toe-to-toe with a quick striker. Like Tomatino Varane, Varane, yeah, absolutely. Varane's, Varane's not the perfect player. You know, he does have one or two deficiencies, but you've only got to look at his trophy cabinet to know what he's about. He's about winning, but he's about doing his job. He's good at doing his job. And I think he'll come to the Premier League and he'll enjoy the physical challenge. I think Harry Maguire is a good good partner for him. 
And more, you know, more vitally, he's a really good partner for Harry Maguire. So it, it, it's bright. It's great stuff. You know, if United can actually bring him to the football club, I do think that United do take that step a little bit closer. A little bit like I said 12 months ago about Cavani. You know, you sign Cavani not because of, you know, what he's done in the past or that he's going to play every week, but he just gets you a bit closer to where you want to be. You know, it gives you an option. It doesn't mean that Varane plays every game. Lindelof will still be at the club. There might be a time when you drop Bay in there. You might rest players. Hey, you might even rest Harry Maguire now. You know, Harry Maguire doesn't rest, does he? That He ended up last season with an injury that nearly made him miss the Euros. So there's options here now to play Varane and maybe one of the other two and actually give Harry the day off maybe once a month and keep him fresher for the end of the season. If you do that, you might go on and win a title. United lost the title this year because their captain wasn't in that squad. And he might have helped them get to yeah, that European he did trophy. Goals as well, Rob. That was the biggest problem. We can see the heck yeah. of a lot of goals, you know, <coughs> 10 to 15 can... more than the season before. We did. But when you look at the balance of scoring and, and not conceding and all of those things, it wasn't a huge problem for United. It's now about how do you readdress some of that balance? So United did concede horrible goals, weren't they? They were set pieces, constant issues, same things over and over again, mistakes. But when you looked at the back four on a week-to-week basis, they were pretty solid. When you looked at kind of, you looked at the stats, the stats were showing that if you took the mistakes out, that things were working, but the mistakes were making things skewed. So the reason why you buy Varane is you're trying to eliminate all of those mistakes. It's exactly, again, I'll, I'll mention Rio again one last time. When we signed him after the 2002 World Cup, the reason why we, saw, we, we bought him was that United's back four just made mistakes every week. And Ferg used to talk about all the time. He was like, there's nothing wrong with a back four. It just makes mistakes. So I need to find a way to stop the mistakes. And the way he did that was by signing a lad called Rio Ferdinand. Rio came in, still made mistakes for about a year. It wasn't great straight away. It wasn't brilliant, but he, he worked it out. And I think that's the idea with Varane. He's coming to the football club for five years. It, it might not work immediately, but you would expect that it would work quicker and sooner rather than later. Yeah, well said, Rob. Look, I know there's a few questions about Paul Pogba. We're going to... We, we talk about Paul Pogba every single week, don't we, Rob? But we will we address will it. Yeah. We'll talk about Pogba and we'll talk about Sol Naguez, who's been heavily linked today. Um, and we will address that. But Rob, just to touch on a few more things, because I think you make some great points about Varane. I completely agree. And balance is very, very key. Manchester United have been playing lopsided now for years. We finally got a right winger. I'm, I'm talking nanny days. You know, nanny when Valencia yeah. was in his prime. United last had a right winger, so we've got that balance there. That You make a fantastic point of Wan-Bissak and Lindelof, the, the almost a disconnection there, and Varane should definitely help. And you're right, you know, Wan-Bissak, while he has his limitations, looking back, he thinks, can Lindelof cover the space yeah. behind? Lindelof defends the channels well, but he's not quick, so that's where Varane, and Varane is very good at at reading the game, you know, his ability to, to step into space and to cut out passes is fantastic. What I do want to talk about, though, is about Varane's ability in transition. And this is a really mm -hmm. important point. And we, I want to talk about the differences between the Premier League and La Liga and other leagues. Now, every league has its strengths and weaknesses, right? I'm not saying the Premier League is any better than any other league. I'm not saying that the Premier League um, is the greatest league in the world. What I will say, though, about the Premier League is that it is fast, it's intense, it's physical. And you can't you can't deny that. So for a player that's coming from La Liga, where it is slower paced, where you are passing the ball around a little bit more, they are more cultured on the ball, I say, you know, how's Varane gonna how is he gonna work in transition? Because that's actually one of the areas where he excels. Now, United will be playing a high line as they did last season, perhaps even higher now, because they've got someone like Varane there. Maguire steps into midfield, Varane will be able to cover the space, he'll almost sweep up behind. 
But how does this work for Varane? Because he's going to have to adjust to a quicker league and teams will sit back off Manchester United. Man United will have a lot more ball. Do you worry a little bit that it'll take Varane a little bit of time to adjust to that faster league because it is quicker? Or are you confident because he is so good in transition, he'll be able to slot seamlessly into the Premier League and he'll be a fantastic defender? There might be teething problems because I, I always say when any player comes to the Premier League, you might find uh, that there's issues in terms of finding tempo, finding your place in the division, how you're going to play week to week. But you've only got to look at Diaz, what he did at Manchester City, is that he came from a league that's a lot slower. I would say probably not a league that's as good as La Liga. Um, yep. Certainly a player that, that was still looking to prove himself and really took to the Premier League like, like a fish to water. And it, what was important there is not about the individual, but about the pairing and then the back four. So when you look at what Maguire and Varane could do together as a two, it's the same as looking at Diaz and Stones. So Diaz made Stones better and Stones made Diaz better. You know, Sto Diaz had a player next to him that's Premier League ready, that knows the division, but also was trying to prove himself. And that was a big building block for Pep last year was to find a way to motivate people to kind of go to the next level. And I think that's where Manchester United are. Like I think if you look at Aaron Wan-Bissaka, it's no good saying to him, Aaron, you know, for a year or two, what we wanted you to do was to overlap and to be that guy and to get the ball in the box and get more assists. He's actually done that. You know, the statistics tell you that he's kind of have progressed in those areas. But you can't let him go to the next level unless you help him in other positions. Now, what do I always say after every masterclass is that, you can carry one or two in a game, but you can't carry four, five or six. You just cannot do it. And Manchester United in the games where they've had defeats or problems or mistakes is because they, players, yeah. they're carrying players and that's a problem. So Wan-Bissaka might have a great game, but if he's carrying the, the centre-back in the inside of him, that's an issue. If Maguire is helping Lindelof too much and trying to cover and do those things, that implement that hurts his game. Luke Shaw then has to decide whether I stick or twist. I said about Luke Shaw last year, the thing that he got in his head was that he had to be Luke Shaw every day. He had to go out there and say, right, give me the ball, I'm going to dribble it, and I'm going to take risks, and I'm going to be the player I want to be. So I think that's what Varane is. I think Varane will come to the football club under no illusion that he is the footballer that he is. You know, he's not going to do different stuff. He's just going to lean on his strengths. Uh, he will sweep behind the back four when he needs to. So there'll be times where maybe the back four fragments, you'll see that Maguire will go forward into a midfield position. You'll see the fullbacks go high, higher up. And you might see that Varane is the last line of defence because he's the guy who's got the pace. But United will also try and keep their shape within that. They're not going to completely go to a this mad progressive system. Now you said there about transition. I don't really think Varane is overly important in terms of transition. I think Maguire is much more important. And that is that Maguire is the ball player. And Maguire is the guy who's going to come out into the midfield. And as I said to you off camera before, he will be given more the duties of being the Carrick type player. You know, what I mean by that is that he will pick the ball up in screening areas and get the team moving in the right direction. Now, Varane can do that as well because Varane can pass a ball. There's no problem with that. But it is safer to have the guy who's got pace looking okay, after yes, the guy who maybe hasn't got pace on the inside. Exactly. And yeah. it will mean that Varane... So Varane's not going to come in transition and go, right, I'm going to... like Aaron, you go up there and I'm going to follow you. It's not going to be like that. I mean, and I mean this is why you like, Rob, when teams transition on Manchester United, that's... Well, when they counter-attack on Manchester United, when yeah. they counter-attack on Manchester United, yes, Varane will be important. But when you look at the stats, 
United don't get counter-attacked on. It doesn't happen. The shape, the 4-2-3-1 does not allow counter-attacking on a high volume. It happens now and then, but United very rarely get done behind the back four. It doesn't happen. They play a high line and they look after the ball in those areas. And even though we get sometimes frustrated with them, statistically, it shows that's not the issue. So he will help at times when maybe Manchester United get counter-attacked on because he's quick. But I don't think that's why you're buying him because you could just buy a centre-back who's quick and forget about other attributes and get him for 10 million quid. You can go and get a quick centre-back, you know, who can run behind and cover, but you're buying someone who's a lot more complete. So he'll be a footballer at the back, but he'll also be a physical specimen and he'll have experience. He'll do things that maybe wind me up as a football fan when I watch Lindelof is that Lindelof makes mistakes that someone of his age shouldn't make really. And it's the same for Eric Bailly. They kind of have it in built into their game, the kind of errors I don't think Varane has that in his game in general. As I say, he's not perfect. There are things that he sometimes struggles with in terms of maybe he's thinking, maybe he stands off sometimes a little bit too much because he realises he's fast. But I think the the blend between that back four, if he steps in there, as Lindelof say, long-term replacement, I think is a really, really good fit. No, absolutely. And uh, guys, we are going to address the United 4-2-3-1 of 4-3-3. So we will do that. We'll do that in a little bit of a while. But before we do that, I do want to talk about Real's system, Rob. This is really important because I think mm-hmm. for the last two years, when I had a look at Varane's statistics, and I have watched Varane um, quite a bit the last few years, he hasn't been at playing at the level that we expect from him. You know, he's a very, very talented player. We know that. Now, something Zinedine Zidane has been doing the last, especially the last year, is that Real play the high line. And they pressed high. And what this meant was that they were ineffective when winning the ball back through this press. Now, what that means as well is that there's a lot more work that the centre-backs have to do and whoever's playing in that defensive midfielder role, and usually was Casemiro. That means that what they had to do was there's a lot of large amounts of space they have to defend. They had to deal against numerical disadvantages. You know, teams were able to... And you mentioned it earlier in the, in the show that Real Madrid's defensive system wasn't working. Now... Putting that all into sort of context, you know, and you just mentioned that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer played 4-2-3-1. You know, they're a lot more defensively solid than Real, and I think that's not too crazy to say. They are a little that's bit true. more organised than them. So mm-hmm. taking that all into account, you put Varane into a, uh, to a system which is a lot more solid, let's say defensively, maybe a bit more cover, you're going to see a really good player that's going to play at that level we expect him to because there's there's too much recency bias that goes on with with the fan base and you're seeing it there's a lot of questions about Ruben Neves should we sign him well Ruben Neves is also a, a victim of the recency bias because Wolves had a terrible season last season Nuno's a very defensive manager we know Ruben Neves is a fantastic passer of the ball we haven't mm-hmm. seen that in the last few years two years ago people United fans would have clamored over each other to get him for 100 million you know Ruben Neves and that's not even too crazy to say so do you think that as a fan, uh, generally football fans are too attuned to the fact that a player might have a bad season and then they don't rate him? And realistically, you take Varane out of a system where defensively it's not working to a system that does generally work defensively, you're going to get a fantastic player. I think so. And, I, you know, if you look at it this way and we talk about bias, we talk about football clubs and, and you know, divisions and leagues around the world. You know, Real Madrid would struggle to get in the top four in the Premier League last year. They would. That's the truth just simply because of, the, of their the, maybe their quality and their standards. Still a good football team and obviously a team with huge expectations and the biggest club in the world in terms of trophies. But last year, they would have struggled to get in the Premier League top four. I believe that when you look at kind of how they were set up. So I think that gave 
um, Varane himself a bit of an issue in terms of what happens with him and Ramos. Ramos obviously being the alpha male, Ramos being in and out of the team with injuries, and also Ramos being at the end of his career at Real Madrid. So that I think that's something to highlight and to look at it that way. But you, you mentioned there about how do fans and their expectations kind of go along with it. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, if you're going to sign a centre-back, it doesn't have to be Rafael Varane. The reason why you're signing Rafael Varane is because he ticks so many boxes. So you don't normally get a player of that calibre at 28 years old or around that for 50 million quid. And it's going to be between yeah. 45 and 50 million. If, if the deal gets kind of concluded in the next week or so, which is what we expect, you're going to look at it being around that kind of smidgen below 50 million, I think. You cannot really get quality of that standard most of the time. It's only when really contracts really run to an end. So this is the, the same situation that Manchester United are in with Paul Pogba at the moment, and it's exactly why they might only get half of his market value if they sell, which it might well look like they're going to do. We'll talk about that at the end. But I think when you look at Varane and you, and you bring to the league, for him also, it's about the challenge of playing in England. It's something that he was attracted to before he went to Real Madrid. He did look at Manchester United, and he's talked about this before. We know the kind of the old adage and the joke that goes along it, the United chose Phil Jones, which in hindsight might be something that's very funny. But at the at time... The time. Yeah. At the t- at the time, if I, I look, I put my hand on my heart. You know, I wanted Varane at the time. I remember it. But yeah, we signed too. Phil Jones and I didn't want Varane anymore because Phil Jones looked like the real deal at that point. This How was before the injuries. Time, oh, do you know what? I, I can remember being at Old Trafford. I remember being at Old Trafford and watching Phil Jones, and Phil Jones was doing mad stuff. He was yeah, like, he yeah. was he was playing at fullback and like yeah. killing people in straight lines. Well. And you were like, what's he doing? He'd be centre back and he would he would he would catch the quickest players. He would physically smash them. He would defend everything. He would put his body in. Look, so at that point, you know, this is why when Varane said, I didn't go to Man United because they bought Phil Jones. And he actually means that respectfully because at that time, they were kind of a similar kind of reputation. It was like, who do you go for? And we went for the English player, English which, is not some, which is not something that's unheard of, obviously, of English clubs looking for that value from an English player. So we went for him. But I think now for Varane, it's a kind of back to the future scenario. Is that he could... You know, he could have signed at Real Madrid for a lesser contract. You know, I think he feels a little bit kind of disrespected in the sense that he feels that that deal was way short of his value. Uh, Real Madrid did up that contract, but I think it's probably too little too late. And that's where we stand. I think it's highly unlikely that Real Madrid are going to offer him the numbers that he wants. And there's no way that Real Madrid are going to offer him the same money that Man United are. No chance. What, what is the wage going to be, Rob? I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that. What I'm going to talk about, uh, look, we, we've heard what the wages are going to be, you know, and it's going to be a huge wage. He's going to be one of the highest paid players in the Premier League. There's no doubt about that. Um, but it's more about whether this player feels that he is valued uh, by the wage that he is given. And we'll talk about that in terms of Paul Pogba as well. But if you bring a player to your football club, it's a lot easier to kind of play that game of poker, as I called it before, is that if you say to him, we want you and we're going to pay you like this big ton of money and we believe in you, that's a very, very tempting elixir for a player to take. You know, they look at it and they think, 
I want that. I want to be loved. So it's the same with Jaden Sancho coming from Dortmund. It's not because he hates Dortmund or he doesn't like other football clubs or the Bundesliga. It's because Man United have romanced him to Old Trafford over 12 months. So this is what they're doing with Varane. They've convinced him of the project. And they said, you know, we need you. You're your player that we need. And we're going to make sure you become a very rich young man for that. Yeah. So you might be 28, but this is going to be the bit, last big contract of your of your career. Huge one. And we are going to facilitate that because we want you. That's a powerful thing. So Varane is going to be one of the highest earners at Manchester United, if not the highest earner. And he will rightfully be that player because he has won everything. If you've won four Champions League and a World Cup and every other tin pot going, yeah, you really do deserve your payday. But Real Madrid kind of said to him, you don't. They said, you know, like you just said there, the stats of the last two years, maybe the failings of the football club. They've kind of gone, well, we don't want to pay you that now because it hasn't worked for the last two years. They lost Ramos. Ramos said, well, I'm not staying. I'm off. He got a good payday at PSG for two years. R Varane's looked at this and thought, well, why should I stay? So for him, Manchester United are one of the biggest names in the world. We know this for any footballer. And now is the chance to take that step towards Old Trafford. And I think the, the only way this deal doesn't get done is if Real Madrid complete pull the plug and say... You'll stay for a year and then you walk on a free. That's not going to happen. No, That's not going to happen. They need the money. But I think they've made it clear to the player that they don't particularly want to keep him. You know, like they've just bought Alaba, right? So Alaba is going to be the center stone of what they build their kind of defensive function on, whether Alaba plays defensive midfield or in, you know, in the back four. Alaba is the player they're building around for the next year or two. That's how they're looking at it. Now, Alaba and Varane. Wouldn't you like that? I'd like that, wouldn't you? That would have been like, ouch. But Real Madrid, being what they are and what Florentino Perez is, doesn't want to play Varane that money. He does not want to pay, you know, that elite standard wage the, that maybe he'd, he'd give to a forward. You know, if it was a forward, he'd give it to him. But he doesn't like playing defenders. He doesn't like playing goalkeepers. It's true. We know this from out from Perez. So that's the truth. Uh, so I think this is where we are now. And I think it is a case that he will come to, to our football club simply because it's all laid out in front of him. And United are his choice. You know, I don't think he wants to go anywhere else now. And there's no one else banging on his door from England because everyone's in the same boat. Everyone's got money is tight and you can't just go and pay a player upwards of 350 a week. And just say, yeah, come to our football club. We'll give you a five-year contract. It's a lot of money. Yeah, and uh, there's a good comment here from Brendan saying, you know, United has always been a draw and always will be. Always. Um, and there's a question here, you know, do you think that uh, him coming in will get Pogba? Obviously, Pogba's his mate. A new contract. We will address that at the end. And that is a million-dollar question, really, Rob. I've thought about that. You know, if, if he does sign, will it mean Pogba stays? We've had this discussion. We'll address it. But let's move on because there's a lot of questions here regarding... Yeah. Um, 4-2-3-1 and 4-3-3. So, look, Rob, everyone's talking about 4-2-3-1. Everyone wants to do 4-2-3-1. Uh, sorry, 4-3-3. No one likes 4-2-3-1. It's too rigid. It's too defensive. All this rubbish. We both sit here and we're big pioneers of the 4-2-3-1. I am because when you look at it, you know, you have the good, you have good solidity in the middle. You have the two players in the, and you can still be progressive with two and they're not two DMs. That's another thing. But you can still be progressive. You can have someone who sits a little bit deeper. I don't think we've currently got that. You can also have someone who's more progressive, who brings energy, maybe a Basuma, someone like that. Mm. United, for me, I don't think they're going to play 4-3-3 purely because they don't have the players to play that. But also, what is this fixation on 4-3-3? Why are the fan base so desperate to see 4-3-3? Because at the end of the day, 
both systems have their positives and negatives. The 4-2-3 run allows you to push the fullbacks further forward. You almost have a front four with the, you know, with the number 10 and the three forward players. So let's talk about that. Let's break that down a little bit because, you know, if United don't sign a defensive midfielder, which I think they need to, but if they don't sign a defensive midfielder, there's going to be serious there's going to be serious problems moving to that 4-3-3 because we just don't have the players to do that. We saw yesterday, and that's preseason, but when United did go to 4-3-3, they conceded two goals. United might not sign a number six. That's a real possibility. And I think we have to we have to come to terms with that, that that might not happen this summer. So are we going 4-3-3? Or are we going 4-2-3-1 as the season starts? No, I'll try not to be too techie in stato, but this is a tactic show, so I'm going to break it down properly so people know what we're talking about here. So 4-3-3, systems themselves fundamentally are fashionable and what i mean by that is that that when you got the coaching guide and you go through the coaching books and all the things that the fa put out in each football club and when you look at kind of um all the computer data and everything that goes with it you're kind of looking for the perfect system that's always what every coach wants i want a system that fits my players that means that i win games that means i get my new contract etc 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 so when you look at 4-3-3, it's very much how 4-4-2 was maybe 15 years ago. And that is uh, everyone played 4-4-2 if you were a team that were looking for winning trophies. Manchester United famously played 4-4-2 for so many seasons under Fergie. It was his go-to system. But really what he really played was 4-4-1-1. It's a different system. It sounds like 4-4-2, but it's 4-4-1-1. That's what United played for years playing with a number 10 off a number nine. So 4-3-3 has, has been made fashionable mainly, primarily by Liverpool. So Liverpool... And, and Guardiola as well, to be fair. So, but, but, but Guardiola's system, his 4-3-3 is different to Klopp's 4-3-3. Yeah. It's very different because of the personnel. So I'll explain a little bit of that. So with Liverpool, we know that they have their three kind of perennial forwards up front who do that role, false nine in the middle, two wide of, uh, forwards coming through, Salah from the right, scoring lots of gold, Mane coming in when he needs to, you Me win titles, you win trophies, everyone's dead happy. You know, so you play your Hendersons, you play your Wijnaldums, you play players like that in behind. They've now obviously brought Thiago in. So they've switched now to kind of more to of a 4-2-3-1 because that would suit Thiago a little bit more. But when Van they Dijk get Van Dijk well. back, when they bring Van Dijk back, they might go back to 4-3-3. Anyway, you just mentioned Pep. So Pep played, obviously, a 4-3-3 variation at Barcelona. That was where they played with a really super high press. So it was like six players on a press right high up the pitch. And he could only do that, really, with a 4-3-3. And there was times when that Barcelona team played with one centre-back and then the other three defenders pressed as well. And you'd have one centre-back kind of sitting, someone like Puyol, you know, someone like that. So that was how he did it. So 4-3-3 became fashionable from that time of Barcelona winning lots of titles and being the team that everyone loved. Fast forward five or ten years, and we now have this kind of romanticism around formations that United fans, and this is not a, a you know, this is not a slant at a certain type of United fan on Twitter. But when you look at it, there's this leaning towards 4-3-3 because it's seen as the sexy More system. Well, it's seen the one, this this is my intent. If I set my FIFA team up with 4-3-3, I'm telling you what I'm doing. Yeah, this is how I do it. But the truth is that managers don't think like that, even Klopp and even Guardiola. Now, they are attacking managers and they want to win. But Ole's talked about 4-3-3 extensively before. And he has said that he would love to play 4-3-3, but only when he feels the time is right. So last year, United did do a bit of 4-3-3 and it didn't look very nice. didn't work. 
they played a diamond sometimes, kind of four four two diamond. That looked better at times, but wasn't really all, all that. And when United play four two three one, they very rarely lost games. They usually won them, and they got three points every week. So if you're a manager, what are you going to do? You know, it's not about intent. It's about doing what you can at that moment. So I don't think Ole's going to risk everything to change the system this year. Now, there was a big newspaper report from two or three really kind of credible journalists who had said that there was this feeling from Manchester United in the centre that they wanted to play 4-3-3. And that was then sold to everyone that Manchester United are going to play 4-3-3 next year. And it's rubbish. It's not going to happen. United are not going to play 4-3-3 next year because they still do not have the right personnel. They will play for... They will play 4-3-3 when it is allowed, when it dictates, yeah? When you can do it and you have a high press and you can get those three and three pressing together. But what we saw yesterday, and this is why I said, you, you make a tweet, don't you? And you say, you know, United are never going to play 4-3-3. And then everyone says, oh, but it's just one game. It's just one game. I'm not really referring it to the five minutes that they played 4-3-3 yesterday against QPR. The two, What happened in that game was United started off playing a kind of 4-2-3-1 with Matic being the screener and being deeper. People mistook that from him being a kind of Carrick deep lying in a three. It wasn't true. It was a 4-2-3-1. Uh, and when United did go 4-3-3, it was when QPR were 2-1 up and Ole was trying to open the door a little bit. And what happened was it all collapsed completely, complete tactical failure. And QPR scored twice. It was a mess. I think United played it for all of about 10 or 15 minutes and they went back to 4-2-3-1. And then for the last 15 or 20 minutes, looked brilliant they look great with the ball on the deck because they had the shape a shape that they know yeah. so shapes are yeah. about reinforcing confidence so that's what 4-2-3-1 is and that is why united will probably play 70 maybe to 80 percent of their games in the coming season 4-2-3-1 because that is what the players know you can't bring them all back into pre-season and go lads this year we're going to play 4-3-3 let's do it You'll say to them, we want to play 4 3 3 more, but you can't fundamentally change things that have been working. Why? You need to build on them. You need to change them gradually. So if you've got Sancho, you can play 4 3 3. That works. But Sancho's been playing the 4 2 3 1 all year. He doesn't, pl he doesn't play in a 4 3 3. So he will be more suited in United's system. Varane has played in a 4 3 3 for Real Madrid. It hasn't worked. Real Madrid have been duff. So you know, Ole's not watching that and going, well, I've got my lad to play me 4-3-3, but Varane can play 4-3-3. So this is all about options. So I think Ole will play 4-3-3 when he can. Rob, I just want to interrupt you here. Yeah. Um, because it's saying here we played 4-3-3 when you got the job on lockdown, but we didn't play 4-3-3. No, we didn't. We had, no, we didn't. But this is the point. The problem is people <laughs> saw... Three, people saw <laughs> so when we when you first got the job... By the way, I love 4-3-3. And we've discussed so many times, I love the way Liverpool... Play, but their midfield as well. If you actually look at it, it's very workman like. Where do they get their most? Where's the most creativity comes? Come from the fullbacks being so, going up wide. The forwards are going from out to in, Mane and Salah. So, you know, if United want to go to a 4 3 3, they'll have to get a defensive midfielder, someone like Fabinho, just as an example. They'll have to have someone like Wijnaldum. By the way, Liverpool are going to miss Wijnaldum a lot this season, Rob. People don't think he's Big a time. Fancy, fancy player. He's a fantastic player. If they want to go and replace him, they should really go and get Basuma. But the fact is, Liverpool's midfield is actually very workmanlike, but the creativity came from out wide. Their forwards were so smart yeah. with their movement. Firmino also dropped and played that more of a false nine position. Now, United didn't play 4-3-3 when Oli first came in. They had, yes, they had Matic and Pogba as the furthest forward and they had Herrera, but it was still a 4-2-3-1. Uh, just Pogba was, was playing where Bruno was playing. Then after lockdown, Pogba's 
best performances from Manchester United, apart from playing further forward last season, was after that lockdown when Mason was amazing and yeah. he was playing so disciplined. I remember tweeting at the time and we had a discussion how disciplined is Paul Pogba been? Literally playing Nira Matic, very disciplined. United have not played 4 3 3 for since the Sir Alex days when we had Ronaldo. Seriously, Rob, I don't remember. Manchester United, United have never ever played 4 3 3 as regularly, a formation yeah. regularly. They played it on a one off to go and batter Arsenal in their own backyard in the Champions League. So yeah. that's why, you, that's the only time. And the reason why they did that is they went and played pure transition counter-attack. So it was just about get the ball deep on the edge of our own box and six of you go together, yeah? So that was the idea of playing that system. But but this is like ancient history. Like we're talking about stuff, like it's even when we talk about Pep and Barcelona. His, his version of 4-3-3 has changed like three or four times since you went to Bayern Munich. It's not, it's not what it is now, it's changed. It's geared towards what you're playing and what division and what league you're in and what country. So when you look at United playing 4-3-3, it's a possibility. But if I'm not going to social at the moment, I'm not playing 4-3-3 just because it's the flavour of the month. I play 4-3-3 if it makes me win. So I don't think at the moment, if Man United on day one against Leeds United, we're not going to see United play for 90 minutes 4-3-3 and beat Leeds United 4-0 and everyone's happy it will not happen you've got to play what you know and then tweak it slowly and you've got to buy players that really do complement your system and like you talked there about a defensive midfielder on this and for me it, it, there's a little bit of a fallacy in it is that Manchester United could do with the defensive midfield there's no doubt about it if you had someone who was a specialist you might be able to play a kind of more more kind of tighten it 4-3-3 three, three, and you might be able to have five players pressing. So you could do that. But I don't think Ole sat there today going, if I don't get my defensive midfielder, then I can't win games. I think he looks at his system, he knows it works, and how can I make it to the next level? How can I put it up a notch? I buy Sancho, I buy Varane, and then, yeah, I might go and buy an extra midfielder. So we will talk about Paul Pogba in a minute because it's quite important. Um, so I think that's how United are going to do it. I don't think United are going to play 4 3 3 just because everyone on Twitter thinks it's a better system. Another it's not a better though, system. No, it's, sorry, go on. It's, the problem is it's the connotations linked with each system. So United think that we play two DMs because of it's McFred in midfield. And that's the problem. They think we play two DMs. The issue isn't the system. The issue is the personnel within the system. If you upgrade hmm. on McFred, United will be a much more aesthetically pleasing, more attacking side, more progressive side. It's not for me about tweaking it from 4-3-3. If United... So let's let's talk about Paul Pogba here. And another thing yeah. that people have to remember as well is you, if you take Bruno Fernandes out of the equation as a number 10 and drop him back, you're possibly losing nearly 50% of your goals. United have to take that into account. Oli has to take that into account. He needs to make sure that the rest of the system is working well enough that it's going to make up for dropping Bruno deeper as a number eight. Let's say Bruno comes back and plays as an eight with Pogba. The other thing I want to add as well is that we've got the Paul Pogba situation now. We both absolutely love Paul Pogba, great player. But even if United get a DM, where's Pogba played best, in my opinion, for France is when he, not when he didn't play with Kante in the double pivot. He played better when he had Kante plus a Rabio or a Tolisso, and then Pogba was the third midfielder. If, Pog if we get a DM, Pogba will still play deeper for Man United, and the same problems are going to arise where he get he's a bit loose on the ball, and then it's Bruno further forward. Now, what do Man United do with Paul Pogba? He's obviously not signing a new contract. He didn't think the, the offer was worthy enough for him. United need to cash in now, don't they? Is it in United's best interest that perhaps you know Paul Pogba goes? And for me, if United want to improve, they need to get two midfielders to replace McFred. So you're getting, and still play 4-2-3-1, but you're getting someone who's more of a defensive midfielder and someone who's a bit better on the ball, someone that's 
provides the energy as well, which you'll need to in that position. I don't mm -hmm. think it's about moving from 4-3-3, from 4-2-3 on to 4-3-3. I think United just need to upgrade on the players in the middle of the park. Yeah, like you just said there, you, you talked about replacing two players who statistically did their job last year. So it's really hard that because McFred are not, I, I said this again yesterday on a podcast, not the sexiest duo in the football team or at the football club. If you look at them statistically, they're right up there with the best double pivots in the world. People don't want to hear that, but that is the truth. So I watch McFred and like everyone else, I get frustrated. They give the ball away a little bit too much. They're a little bit too rigid at times. Sometimes Fred is a little bit too deep. Sometimes Fred's a little bit too wild. You could also say that about McTominay at times. But I don't think, again, Ole sat there going... If I replace those two in my double pivot, I'll win the league. I don't think he's saying that. I don't think he believes that. I also don't believe that he sits there and thinks, Paul Pogba, if I retain him, then I'm going to play him as a number six in the double pivot. I think it's been seen that Paul Pogba, even though he can play that role and it's nice to have a ball player deeper, again, does that win you the league? Does that make you more potent as a football club? To me, the answer is no. I think the stats back that up. I think if Paul Pogba, there's two ways of looking at this. Is this that Paul Pogba wants to leave Manchester United or is this that Manchester United are finally done with Paul Pogba? And I think it's probably leaning more towards the latter. So it's not that Manchester United do not rate Paul Pogba. It's about whether Paul Pogba is going to play the position where he can probably be the most effective. Now, you just talked about France and you're 100% correct is that when he's got those two in the double pivot behind him, he's got some freedom. He can go forward. He can kind of boss the left channel. He can go up further forwards towards the box. You know, we saw that amazing goal that he scored for France. He can only do that when he's in the attacking function. He can't do that in the double pivot because he's miles away from the box. I think when you look at Pogba, he talked last year, last season and also at the World Cup that he wants to play in a more attacking role next year, which means that he would have to play in a 4-2-3-1 in the three behind the one. So that's where you play him. And to tell you the truth, I've got no issue with that because I don't think you need pace to play that system all the time. You can do different things. And yes, you'd have times when Marcus Rashford will play on the left. But yes, Marcus will also play on the right sometimes. And sometimes you'll play Jaden through behind the striker. You might play Jaden on the left. There's yeah. different combinations. And the reason why you do that is to have options. So I think fans, again, kind of get a little bit caught up in all of that stuff. And I think where you are with Paul Pogba is this is that Manchester United, if they sign Rafael Varane for £50 million and a huge wage, they're quite likely to sell Paul Pogba to subsidise it. So people are always think that Pogba will stay because of Varane. And as I explained yesterday, just because they are both French does not mean that Pogba stays at the football club. It's not the way it works. It doesn't work like that with English players. We don't say, hmm, Jack Grealish is going to stay there because the bloke next to him or he's going to a football club is English. We don't say that, do we? It's not a thing. It's not real. But because they're French, that that's how it works. It doesn't work like that, unfortunately. I think Pogba has said, he said to Manchester United, and this is the bottom, the bottom line, he would like to say at Manchester United, but United have to pay him the wage that he's worth. They've offered him a wage that is lower than David De Gea's current wage. It doesn't fit with the narrative of what the player wants or what the agent wants. And I think rightfully, you should then go listening to offers. So he is listening to PSG's offer. And that's the right thing to do. If that's for yourself as a businessman, as a footballer, you should go and listen to the market in the same way that Varane did when Real Madrid said, we're not paying you. So it's the same issue. And I think when Man United tried to balance the books after paying 70 odd million for Jadon Sancho, is a lot of money, again, on a big wage. You've got to kind of balance it somewhere. And I think on this occasion with the guy who's only got one year left on his contract, a great player. You might have to take a hit on him. 
But the difference is you're not paying someone £350,000 a week. You go and pay that money for someone else who's on a lesser wage who maybe does the same job. It means that Rashford plays left more. It means Sancho plays right more. It means that Bruno plays 10. It means that your double pivot is McFred, I'm afraid to say. And you make it, you make it good from that point of view. If you sell Paul Pogba, it would be nice to go and buy two players. But hey, Dar, it's dreamland. You haven't got the money to go and buy another two players at 50 or 60 or 70 million. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Sal Naguez as well, because there's no doubt that Manchester United have tabled an offer for him and they are looking at him at the moment as a, as a realistic capture, uh, as a third buy, that if they bring in Varane and obviously they've already brought Sancho, that he is a midfielder that they would like. They've been linked with him so many times in the past. But that is very much dependent that a deal can be struck with PSG for Paul Pogba. As it stands, PSG have not made a bid. Manchester United have not talked to PSG. Paul Pogba has not talked to Manchester United about it. That's not a thing. It's not real at the moment, but we do know that that is kind of actively happening in the background. Rob, I want to address this uh, question from Ronan. So he's saying, is everyone wrong on Twitter then regarding formation and McFred? There must be merit into surely into it surely if so many people appear to feel that way myself and Rob have never said that there's not an issue with McFred we've said time and time again they've done their function in the team there's a great comment here from Cam saying you know they might be up there with the best midfielders defensively but not in position we know the limitations of McFred yeah the issue is that everyone I don't think there's an issue with 4-2-3 run and Rob's the same because at the end of the day people are just saying okay so as soon as United go 4-3-3 oh well well done now you've got two more attacking midfielders that's not how it works because you lose a number 10 as doesn't well like so that. it doesn't, doesn't work like that. like that so i think people get so bogged up and that's the problem you you play fifa and you go and put the formation on 4-3-3 attacking and that yeah. looks more attacking than 4-2-3-1 that's not how that's not how it works and i think i play 4-3-3 like, on fifa i play it yeah, all the time because yeah. like that, 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 it, it fits the kind of the, the beauty of the game that's why you're doing it but real football is not like that it never is like that but i, I think it's you know, when you kind of look at the systematical issues and just talked to me about McFred, I'll compare them to this. You saw, obviously, England in the World Cup. England did play 4-3-3 at times. They played a double pivot at times. Uh, when they went to the double pivot, obviously, it was Phillips and it was Rice. Right. Yeah. Now, these are two players that everyone's very high on. Rice, everyone loves Declan Rice. I think he's some next-level god. I don't really get it. When you look at his stats, he's good, but he's not you know, he's not world-class. He just simply isn't. And Phillips is also not world-class. He's a good midfielder. He does his job. And I think he was probably one of England's better players at the tournament. But do I think that if Man United had Rice and uh, Phillips as their double pivot, that they win the league? No, I don't think that. I, I don't think Fred and McTominay are particularly any worse than those two. So it's always about like fashion, like I keep saying. So you look at those two players and everyone's high on them because they've done well at the World Cup and it's free lines on our shirts and our chest and all of this and everyone's still banging the drum. But when you look at players, you really compare them and you get down to the nitty gritty. You know, Fred's percentiles are huge when you look at him, you know, and this is what Ole looks at. And when you look at McTominay, the reason that United fans don't like it is because it's too functional. It's not beautiful. If if Scott McTominay started getting the ball and playing 60-yard balls to Jadon Sancho next season, yeah, and, and they were perfect all the time, suddenly everyone would be doing what they're doing about Luke Shaw. They'd be going, oh, I love Luke Shaw suddenly. Now, a year ago, most United fans didn't want Luke Shaw at the football club. They were saying it openly that Luke Shaw wasn't good enough. They should buy another left back. We've signed Tellez. He's our guy. He's going to go that way, get 20 assists every year, and we're going to love him. Didn't work like that, did it? I think it's the same with the double pivot. You've got two players that do it really, really well. You should add another midfielder in there. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Someone who can do other stuff. 
you know, you, you should have maybe a more progressive player. But, you, you know, who are you going to bring in there to do it? Are you going to play £80 million for Rice? No, you're not. Are you going to pay? Especially, especially you got to think about when you're selling Pogba. This is a point. Yes, exactly. So it, I said before, if you sell Paul Pogba, I said this last uh, last couple of years, is that if you sell Paul Pogba, you're going to probably have to buy two or three players to replace him. But yeah. that's also not realistic. You can't do that. You can't lose one player and magic two out of them. Now, you could do if you go bargain basement hunting, but Man United don't want to do that either. They don't want to go and buy, you know, you're not even going to get a Basuma in the bargain basement. Are you? You're going to have to pay premium. You buy Nevers, it's premium. So it's still million. it's still right. money, though. It's still like you buy Donny van der Beek for 35, 36, 37 million, and he pays like no minutes. So it, it there's a balancing point there. If you sell Paul Pogba, you've probably got to change the philosophy a little bit about what you want. So someone like Sal Niguez kind of fits that because he does certain other things really, really well, and he wouldn't have to play on the left of a 4 2 3 1. So Pogba, I do think his best position is the left side of midfield. That is what he's really good at. And he's proved that. And he wants to play that role. And it's now up to Ole to kind of say to United, pay the boy his wage. He's worth in excess of 350. And I need him at this football club and give him a five-year deal. I think the reality is that Manchester United haven't really got expansive funds for that. And this might be a chance just to get him off the wage bill. Because if you get him off the wage bill, it does then I mean you can restructure and you maybe will be able to bring in one or two in the next few transfer windows. I don't think it will be this one. But Salonegues will definitely be on a, on a lesser wage than Pogba, no doubt about it. Um, Jaden Sancho will be on a lesser wage. And Varane might be on parity, might be on what Pogba's asking for at the moment. So that adds up. It means that you might be on, say, 15 20% less a month for your wage bill. And that matters. It doesn't matter to football fans. But it matters to the football club. They will look at their PL, they will look at their profit and loss, and they'll be saying, We need to make a little saving here or there. Who do we sacrifice? At the moment, because of his contract, it's Pogba. That's the only reason why. Otherwise, you keep Pogba. I think he's brilliant. I think he's the player that that can yeah. take you to another level. But it's also true that in the six years where he's been back at United, five, six years, that he hasn't kind of taken United to that next level. But a lot of that has been down to recruitment. There's yeah. been a whole ton of problems. We know about the Mourinho thing. We can talk about that until we're blue in the face. And those things do matter as well. So I, I think that Pogba is on his way. And I think that United are actually actively trying to probably push him out the door rather than the player saying he wants to go to PSG. He has said in the past that he's not interested in PSG because his parents are Marseille fans. And he grew up in a, in a house that means that he didn't like PSG. So he said that before. And there was actually banners at their last preseason yeah. game or the game the other day, which said, we do not want you, Paul Pogba. Yeah. So that's a problem because the Paris fans don't really want him. But he is a Parisian. So I, I wouldn't put it past maybe him playing further forward for PSG. And then you find that maybe Mbappe goes one side and you end up seeing Neymar on the other and Pogba plays as a 10. I think that could work. And that might be the reason why he goes to their football club. But this is a point, Rob, as well. Pogba is a 10. And where Pogba played his best football when Oli came in was he was playing number 10. And at the moment, you've got Bruno Fernandes who's putting out world-class numbers. And and at the moment, you know, Bruno wants to stay, Pogba doesn't. So Oli has to make that executive decision. Who do I keep? The player that wants to be here, the player that's hit 50 goals and assists for the last season, or the player who I absolutely adore, very, very talented, has been up and down and doesn't want to be here. That's, or, you know, or doesn't want to sign the contract that's on the table. So that's reality. I think there's a lot of conversations, you know, we can talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer till 
you know, we're blue in the face. And I've also in the past, you know, had my doubts about Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. He's got the new contract back him now. At the end of the day, United have to think what works for the system. I don't think Oli Gunnar Solskjaer wants to go 4-3-3. What I think he wants, though, is he wants to be able to improve on McFred. Now, when you've caught McFred sitting there, Rob, this is my final point before we wrap up. When you've got them sitting there in front of midfield, you know, they're limited and they're functional. So at the end of the day, in people's minds, they think Oli wants to be functional and limited. But I'm sure Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would love Saul Naguez in there or Ruben Neves as someone that can pass the ball more progressively at the end of the day. I'm sure he'd love to have Paul Pogba in the side as well, but he's got to use the players he's got at his disposal and he's going to put the formation that fits. Right now, as it stands, Manchester United cannot play 4-3-3. If they do, you'll all be complaining at the beginning of the season when United lose their first two games because they're going to get ripped straight through midfield. So I think it just needs to be looked at in a more, your favourite word, holistic approach is that what do United have currently? What are the strengths and weaknesses? What can they buy in the summer? And then build the system like that. And that's the situation we're in. And I think I'm really happy with actually, and I, I tweeted this, Rob, you know, before we wrap up, I'll let you have the final word. But I'm excited about this season. It's the first time in a really long time excited for a, for a, a you know, season for Man United in years with looking at it now. We've got Jaden Sancho. We're close to getting Varane. We could also get someone like Sol Naguez. Trippier could come in. That's a squad good enough to challenge for the Premier League. So I'm absolutely, and look, there's a lot of talks about Garner as well. I think he, he's a fantastic prospect. I'd like to see him go on loan as well, but we'll see what happens. But not ready. there's a he's lot of ready. things. Yeah, I don't think he's ready either, but there's a lot of, no. lot of positives for Man United. And I think we just got to focus on, instead of, you know, playing FIFA and saying 4-3-3, this, this, and this, we've got to focus what we've got in the team, what works, what can be improved, what can be tweaked. We're not the sort of club, unfortunately, that's going to go and fix everything in one window. But if we get these players in, Rob, and they gel well and Oli can get a tune out of them, who knows where we're sitting in May? Yeah, look, one window can take you to where you want to be. I always say about building, it does take two or three years. And I think Ole's on that journey and he has been buying players and selling players. So there are budgets to work with. I think Ole's been working with them quite well. And I think the recruitment is good. So I think when you look at United and maybe kind of aspirations of 4-3-3 or playing more progressive systems, you know, like there, I, I think there's a leaning, like you said there about McFred again. And that's like the fourth time you've mentioned McFred in the last 10 minutes. I don't think Ole sits in his office and thinks, I've got to change McFred. I really, really don't. I think he wants to add someone into his midfield. So he's got options and maybe he's short of options, especially as Matic is now turning into an old man. And that is a problem. But you you talk about Matic and we also talk about Garner then. I think it's Garner ready. I don't think he is. He's a cultured player. We also talk about Andreas. You know, he's he's still at the football club, but we all expect him obviously to go. But those options have kind of come, gone and are going to be kind of pushed towards the door. So if you go and if you lose Pogba, you do need to sign a midfielder. Kamavinga, have you brought him in? He's 18. Is he going to be the answer for you at 18? No, he isn't. And the truth is that Kamavinga wants to go and play in Spain. That's what we do know. That is a surefire thing. So I think if he gets an offer from Spain, and he will, he will go to Spain. He's not really interested in the Premier League. However, United might be aggressive there and go and get him if they lose Pogba. So there's options there. But I do think of it like this. I think with the 4 2 3 1, if I'm only going to Solskjaer, first thing, what do I want to do? I want to win games. Secondly, what do I want to do? I don't want to lose my job. Yeah. These things mean, these things do matter. But the third thing I want to do is I want to win trophies and I want to kind of win them, not at the expense of the other two. So I think United will lose games next year. It will happen. Obviously, it's, there's nothing more more real than losing games in football. It does happen. It happens all the time. It's very rare that you can go a whole season without losing. United were unbeaten away from home last season in the Premier League, which in itself is crazy. And that's with a team that people don't like. 
And that's where the double pivot that people don't like. You know, so that Ole's not going to change stuff because fans don't like it. It's just a, it's just the truth. It's the bottom dollar. So I think when you look at United, I am excited. I look at this team and I think this is a team two or three years in the making. When you look to um, Mourinho's team in year three, I was 100% convinced after that season we came second that we were going that way because every game I saw and every game that I attended and saw with my own eyes, you could see the problems all manifesting themselves in front of you. And you were thinking, this team can't pass the ball. It can't defend. It's too deep. It, it has no passion. It has no pace. It has no energy. It's got issues. And you knew in year three that that was it. And that was why Mourinho got a hard time for it. Not because of not being given Harry Maguire in the transfer window is because of all the other players that weren't working suddenly. I don't see that with this team with Ole. I think he's an expert man manager and whatever people think he's deficiently in terms of tactics, I don't think that translates because when you talk to players about this manager, they like the training, they think it's fresh, they like the tactics, they can express themselves. And Ole is a kind of guy that says to teams, you know, it says to his teams, you know, I do want you to have flair and expression. He doesn't say to teams, Right, sit, four, two, three, one, slow build up, slow transition. He's not United play with pace. United are, a, are an attacking side. The issue, even the, the issue so is, is the quality in certain areas. And look, we're absolutely. looking absolutely it's not that it, he's telling them to go out there and don't don't attack. It's the fact that McCred yeah. aren't as expansive as a soul or let's say a Neves or, or other players. But if, if the world was as basic as that, what you would do is you take the 11 players, you sell them all, and you buy 11 players that can do that. That's what you do. Yeah. So that's how it would, that's how it's reality. Big teams like, say, Man City, when they've had money, they didn't like any of their fullbacks. They got rid of them, but they're worth a trillion pounds as, a, as an organization. So they can do that. Man United can't do that. The Glazers haven't got that money. That's the truth. And they take that money out of the club. That's why we've been arguing about a better balance in the football club for transfer funds from the owners, because we need to buy and recruit in a correct way. Do you see what I'm saying? So, yeah, you're right. You know, Fred and McTominay, but you don't say because, you know, they, they don't, not what you fancy, that you just bin, because this is what fans say all the time. I don't like it. Get rid. They say it all the time. So what do you think of this comment, Rob? I think this is a great comment here. Mm-hmm. People don't understand that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's 4 2 3 1 is very different from the Mourinho 4 2 3 1. It's 100% different. Yeah, very different. Like Mourinho's was more 4 5 1 at times. And sitting very so, so, And playing the low block. Man United very rarely played a low block. Very rarely. And the reason why they don't play the low block is got two centre backs who are really slow. So those two, they don't want to sit with everything in front of them. Because if they get picked apart, then they haven't really got any kind of pace in the channels. So they play a high line with a higher press in a 4 2 3 1 because it actually allows them to play the game in front of them. It's a hugely different game when everything is in front of you and you know behind you that the space is there and you're guarding. So that's why Varane will come into that system and will be hugely beneficial because Varane will be going, I know what's behind me, it's that space, and Jamie Vardy might run me, but I can run him. It's okay. Jamie Vardy runs Lindelof, you're dead. It's over, isn't it? Jamie Vardy scores a goal. And I, I use him as a kind of uh, a name that I always use for pace because you could, you could say it about Danny Ings, you could say that about Mane, you could play it at Salah. Any player in that channel on each side is going to do you for pace because they're quicker. United don't get done for pace. So I, I don't think that's an issue either. And part of that is because the double pivot protects. So in that QPR game yesterday, it was 4-2 because when the double pivot was there and when it was 4-3-3, they didn't do their defensive jobs at all. They were leggy and tired because it's pre-season 
and it didn't work. And Garner and Andreas were a nightmare. Didn't work at all. And when and when Matic was on the pitch, it was all a little bit too stagnant. So he did 45 minutes and he was on and gone. So that's that. But I think that's where United are. I think they'll, they'll play 4-2-3-1. They will touch on 4-3-3 now and then. They'll probably play 4-4-2 diamond more than 4-3-3 because the players suit it a little bit more. That's obviously how United played last season for a big chunk. Played kind of about 10 games last year doing that diamond shape, which we argued wasn't really a diamond, but people got excited about it and said it is a diamond. So these systems are all there for Ole to use, and I think he will use them sometimes. The primary system will still remain 4-2-3-1. Most top clubs in the world play 4-2-3-1. It is not some bastardised system that football fans think is awful and horrible. And like we always say, the double pivot, it's not about two defensive midfielders. No, if you think one defensive midfielder can do the job better than two in a double pivot, you've never played football before because it's about energy and coverage. And one defensive midfielder, if you're Kante, yes, you can do it. But most players are not Kante. Most people can't do what Nagola Kante does in a pivot or on his own as a defensive midfielder. You haven't got that function. Michael Carrick, when he was a defensive midfielder, didn't rely on pace. So the game's changed now. Do you know what I mean? And the pivot works because the pivot allows players to go. And Scott McTominay, like I said yesterday again, scored eight goals from the pivot last year. That's probably the highest in Europe. So he has done his job. It's just that he isn't the attractive ball player that everybody would like to see in front of the back four. That's, but that's the point. It's about the ball playing ability rather than you know the functionality of those. Yeah. Two. I just but the functionality the comes before. It, it comes yeah. before the ball playing. And unfortunately, that is the reality. So that's the whole point is that you either say, I want a ball player in there, but then you lose the ball because they haven't got the pace to cover like a Donny van der Beek doing it. Donny's a better ball player than all of them. But yeah. Donny can't play the double pivot because he hasn't got the nose to sniff out danger. So that's a problem. So you have to have players in there. Fred didn't have that nose and sat on the bench for a year when he came to the football club because he couldn't do it. It, and then he learned to do it and then he started to play games but he's lost unfortunately the, the more kind of progressive right, yeah. side of it exactly. yeah but he's had to become a runner that's how he's that's how he gets picked but you've seen it at times rob you know sort of last point before we wrap up and guys thanks for all your comments it's been fantastic but you see it as well that you look at city they played 4-2-3-1 quite a few times last season uh the double pivot and they played Rodri, yeah, they did. fantastic ball player and they had fanandini who combines the fantastic defensive side of it with, you know, the more the physical and, and covering the ground with the ball playing mm -hmm. side. So that's what United need, I think. That's the point. I, and I think, look, for me, I, I don't really care if it's 4 2 3 1, 4 3 3. I think you can play attacking football with both systems and attractive football with both systems. What United need to do is find the balance in, the, in those two players playing in the pivot between the functionality. But that's why Donny isn't playing because he can't do the defensive side well enough. Exactly. But if he could do that, Rob, he's sitting in that double pivot because he is a better ball player than McFred. So it, it, this is what they have to totally, do. Totally, totally. That's what it is. And this is what we try and do on the show. We're not saying, you know, that, um, we're not saying at times that, you know, that, that McFred haven't worked in terms of progression and going forward. We know their limitations, but the point is, why is Oli playing them? Because he wants, and maybe this is Oli being risk averse, but that's just the way he is. He is more pragmatic that first do the defensive side, and then, you know, add the attacking side. So, look, Rob, we've run out of time here today. And look, it's been fantastic talking about Varane. Fingers crossed that the, the uh, signing happens. But what I do want to say as well is that uh, we are seeing United make some positive moves in the window. And um, look, I'm confident going into the season. I think United are building a really good squad here. 
And fingers crossed that what we can do is we can get the pieces to come in, they can gel quickly and no, I can challenge and win a trophy next season. Yeah, totally. And I, and I hope we see this year, not just when I talk about progress, because everyone always goes, all oh, progress FC, you know, what's progress, not winning trophies. Trophies do pay the bills, but it's really important that after Manchester United having such a bad eight years in terms of their recruitment, that these things are fixed progressively and continue to be fixed. Because next year, you're going to be looking for your Cavani replacement. So United need to think about that. You know, are you going to spend £100 million on a striker to replace Cavani? Well, the answer to that is probably yes, if, say, Mason Greenwood doesn't take the next jump, which hopefully we, we he does this season. But I think when you look at United, and I think when you kind of look at whether fans should be excited... I think with Ole, you know, I will say I'm not Ole in, I'm not Ole out, and I've said that on this show like a billion times. But what I want to see as a United fan and someone who's got United in their blood is attacking football, winning football, ruthlessness from those forwards. Yeah, and I want to see a really, really strong defence. I want to see those four things. I want to see them work. And the midfield in the middle, including the double pivot, have to support those two functions of attacking and defending. And that's why you play the double pivot, because they help the defence, but they do also help the attack. As I said, Scott McTominay from the double pivot, scoring eight goals. That's a lot of goals for someone in the double pivot. It really, really is. So I think also we'll see this year that Scott McTominay plays a more functional role going forward. He was obviously a forward once upon a time, so he might actually play closer to the box. And I think that Ole has those aspirations to play a more attacking style. But that does not mean it's going to be 4-3-3. It, I said it more likely will be that kind of fabled diamond that we saw last year. But I do also think that feeling say, Mike feeling saying that he wants to see the team play more progressively, that's also progressively within the 4-2-3-1. Yeah. You yeah. can do that with Jadon Sancho. You can do that with Varane. You can do that with Aaron Wambasaka being a progressive right-sided fullback. If you get those three positions right, and you hope that they they will when you talk about those three players, the rest just kind of works. We know what Rashford does. We know what Cavani does. We know what Bruno does. Yeah, we know what Luke Shaw does now. We know what Maguire does. We know what our goalkeepers do, even though no one really knows who's going to start at the moment. You know, you look at those functions and you think it's there, you know, the kind of, Oasis is there for United now to take it all forward and to try and compete for a title. And Ole has to do that now. Ten games in, if we're talking about Man United being mid-table or sixth or seventh, and they've played 4 3 3 for 10 games, but they won four, lost five, and drew one. Ole might lose his job still. Forget the contract. You know, he is there to win and he has to win. He doesn't get away with it. And we won't let him get away with it on this uh, show. You know, if Man, United play, if Man United play badly and get it tactically wrong and players don't work, everyone knows now for the show that we've done for 12 months that we will be honest about it. It's not a popularity contest. It's purely about what works, what doesn't work and what you can do better. And on the masterclass, that's what we try and do. 100%. Well said, Robin. Look, guys, it's great to be back. Thank you for all your fantastic comments, for all your love, for all your support. You know, we're growing this uh, Masterclass family. We should be back next week, Rob, for a pre-season um, show. Fingers crossed. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, yeah we're going to see, we'll see how it goes with the pre-season. Obviously, United are playing these games. People need to realise that Manchester United might lose some of these pre-season games because they're not fit. They've got most of the, most of the players are now coming back from holiday. Obviously, a big part of the team played extensively in the last four of the Euros. So that in itself is a bit of an issue. But I think once United get their kind of first team back, then we'll, we'll be able to maybe smell about what Ole really wants to do with them. And I really don't think we'll know anything about systems and formations until we see 
Jaden Sancho in a Manchester United shirt because I think he is key to how United want to do stuff going forward. And like you said, how he does quite a bit, he might play on the left before because he did that for Dortmund for the majority of the season. I think he'll probably play on the right, but that is a really kind of fundamental question about how you want to set up. And I think we'll probably probably out of operation. Well, Rashford's going to be out for two to three months and that's, you know, needed and that's how it goes and we'll wait for him. But I think also when Rashford is out, you might see Sancho left, you might see Greenwood back on the right and you might see Cavani through the middle. Should people be excited about that? I know I am. I want to see that. I don't care about the double pivot. The double pivot just does its job. I don't turn up at games to watch a double pivot. I turn up to watch a score goals and to win football matches. Yeah, well said. And look, guys, thanks for all your fantastic comments. Um, look, Tweet myself and Rob if you want to talk about certain topics. We will definitely dive into them. We want to hear all your thoughts, what topics you guys like to listen to, what you don't like to listen to as well. If you're bored of the double pivot, let us know because I know we, we're bang on. I'm bored of it. it. <laughs> I'm bored of it as well. That's why I want to upgrade. Um, but look, guys, thanks for all your support. And uh, look, really appreciate all the shares, the retweets, and uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers, guys. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 